Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Virtual Vibe podcast, where we discuss HR strategies for a happy, healthy, and connected workforce in a work-from-home world. I am David Howe. I'm the CEO at Bright Breaks and the host of the Virtual Vibe. And today, I'm honored to be joined by Mel Johnson, who is the Senior Manager of People Operations at Pandadoc. So welcome, Mel. Hi. Thank you so much for allowing me to join you. This is really interesting and going to be fun. Thank you so much. And uh, this is the actual second episode, uh, but the first episode where we've actually named the podcast. And I ran a poll on LinkedIn and with our our customers and champions and had a few options. And Mel's favorite was the virtual vibe as well. So thanks for helping name the pod. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad that it, it was the winner. <laughs> I like it. It has a bit of a swagger to it. So as mentioned, Mel's at Pandadoc. So Pandadoc is a global team, a remote first team. They've received many awards on their culture, such as the uh, Best Work-Life Balance Award from Forbes and on the Inc. Best Workplaces in 2023. And Mel is an HR and benefits professional, as we mentioned, with over 11 years experience in HR leadership and has experience in um, functions like operations, global benefits, and compliance. She's worked in a few industries like healthcare, uh, veterinary medicine, and nonprofits, but has found her zone of genius with tech and with PandaDoc. And as you can see from Mel's background, she is an avid kitty lover, which is very important to have companions in, in the work from home world. So again, really appreciate you coming on, Mel, today. So to kind of kick us off, can you just share a little bit about PandaDoc, how you know the team works, where your team is located, and, and a few details like that? Sure. Yeah. PandaDoc. So we're an all-in-one document automation software. So when you think of like e-signatures, also have an e-notary arm that does notary services. So when you're thinking about purchase orders and presentations and contracts and things like that. So uh, that's what we do. And um, we are worldwide, you know, global. So we have physical offices here. One is in St. Petersburg, right downtown, beautiful office in the Morgan Stanley building. I've been there lots. We have one in Poland, one in Portugal, and one in Ukraine. So those are our full office spaces. And we are remote first, so all of our people are fully remote. However, they can go into the offices whenever they like. Uh, actually, today we're hosting in our St. Pete office a healthy lunch. So all of, I think there's going to be like 30 or 35 people down in the St. Pete office today. Yeah, so people can just go in whenever they want. And was the company always remote first or was that kind of a transition with COVID? It was a transition with COVID. Um, that happened before uh, I joined, obviously, but... I'm glad that they did go fully remote and they intend to stay fully remote. So wave of the future, right? Yeah. And are you seeing that as like a bit of a competitive advantage when it comes to like talent recruitment and hiring? Absolutely. One of the biggest questions we receive when I was talking to one of our recruiters, one of the biggest questions that we receive from candidates is, are we always going to stay remote? Yeah. Because they don't want to go back to an office space. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's some stats floating out there, like something, you know, X percentage of the job postings on LinkedIn are for remote companies and it's smaller, but the number of applicants or percentage of applicants applying to those is massive. So clearly yes. something that employees want. And do you have a sense of like what, you know, kind of split people are taking, like in terms of are people spending most of their time working at home? Are they kind of 50-50? How are you seeing that? Well, I can't speak for our international offices. I do know that the Poland office gets a lot of a use because of the fact that I guess the Polish people, there's a lot that have moved over from Ukraine because of the war. Yeah. And they've, they find companionship and camaraderie when they're together. 
So I think that that plays a big part in why the Polish office receives so much usage, because I think they're just sharing that camaraderie and that togetherness, and that helps them kind of get through such a tough time. So over there, it's it's totally different than over here. Now here, um, you know, we just have the one office, but we do have 80 people in Florida, 80 employees. So we do have a good concentration of our U.S. population here in Florida. And here in the St. Pete, you know, area, Tampa region. So we get probably about 10, maybe 12 people in the office on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. it's not all that bad. Yeah. But one of my direct reports, she goes in, she's like culture queen. She does all kinds of fun stuff in the office all the time. She's there anywhere from three to five days a week. Yeah. It seems like it's, it is the best option if you can provide the option to go in and give that flexibility. That seems to be what people want. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. And so PandaDoc, you know, over 750 employees, as you call your pandas. And one of the things I think I was and am most impressed about with the company is is kind of the focus on values. And can you just talk a little bit about the values at PandaDoc and then also how those tie into, you know, both like the culture, but also the culture of wellness you're trying to create? Yes. Our values are life. So L, learning. I, impact. F, fun, and E, empathy. And so I was very drawn to, when I first started looking for another position, I was very drawn to these values because when you see empathy, it's just not something that you always see in a company's culture or values. And that drew me in because empathy, and especially in a leader role, empathy is not as celebrated sometimes. You know, sometimes when you're an empathetic leader, you're not seen as that strong, powerful leader. And I think it needs to change. I think leaders need to lead with empathy. And so I'm especially drawn to that particular value. But to speak about the values and uh, how they intertwine in our culture, I think that people love to learn in general. And the more learning opportunities that we can provide, the better. So we have a mentorship program that is very well utilized. We have tons of learning and development opportunities that uh, go on. Right now, we're doing our back-to-school week with learning and development. So they have this big, huge uh, campaign going on right now. So there's always opportunities for learning. Impact, you know, obviously, we want to make sure that our pandas know that they make an impact no matter what they're doing. So impact is a huge one. Fun, of course, we want to make sure that everybody's having fun. I mean, going to work, obviously, there's work that you do that isn't all that fun. Obviously, work can't always be fun. But we try to intertwine some of those fun events. And sometimes your work is fun. Like, you know, Tyler, for example, he does our podcasts and our a lot of our marketing and, and events and things like that. And he has a lot of fun with what he does. Kim and I have a lot of fun with our wellness events that we put on. So, um, you know, it's, it's just that balance of yeah. intertwining those types of events and uh, everything into the culture. Yeah. So wellness is a big part of that. Yeah. And I know that. And one of our core values actually is fun as well. And I think it is important mm-hmm. because you like work and life, although you're trying to find that right balance, obviously there's a lot of blend there. And if you're not having fun, kind of what's the point? So I think that's awesome that you put a focus there. So Dialing back into wellness, so obviously your team, you have the office locations, you have the work from home first kind of option. How do you approach wellness for those two types of options when folks might be at the office or might be at home? How do you think about wellness and why is that important too? 
Yeah, wellness um, efforts for an on-site event are a lot easier to plan, in my opinion, than they are for a remote workforce. We try to do a lot. We try to evenly disperse those types of wellness events. So we try. (laughs) I can say it in equal balance of trying to get people to go into the office to do wellness events and, um, of course, trying to do the virtual events as well. So planning those events on site, we can make more of the fitness kind of an event because a lot of people don't like to do the fitness events virtually, I find. I think they're afraid of feeling judged, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I get that. Sometimes it's kind of hard to follow when you're on screen when you're doing movements because it's mirrored differently. So I think when you have an on-site instructor that can show you, it's a little bit easier. So wellness efforts for on-site events, much easier to plan. I think you get better results too for on-site because you can kind of generate more hype for that. You can put up decorations, you can post notices. People see that every time they go in, they get excited for stuff like that. And for the remote environment, unless you send somebody a calendar invite and you constantly ping them and remind them, they tend to forget about stuff like that. So it's a lot easier to do it in-house than it is outside. But, you know, with having only one office in the U.S., it kind of eliminates or excludes a lot of our pandas because they're not all located in Florida. So when we're doing a wellness event offsite, I try to do a wellness event virtually, not just the same week, but maybe the same month, just so that they don't feel excluded. So I don't do the same exact thing. Like maybe the wellness event onsite is like a fitness kind of event, but the wellness event that's virtual may be more of a social event, uh, more of a fun event. That way I get as much participation as I can because they want to have fun. They want to relax Like right now, October, we're going to be doing a paint and sip type of event. And we're sending out like little cocktails and mocktail kits and canvases and paint type things. But for the on-site, we're doing like a rally. It's going to be like a fitness rally. So two different types of events, both fun, but totally different. Yeah. And much easier, as you're saying, to... I guess build awareness or get people engaged because it's in there. It's not in your face, but it's visible. It's there versus digitally, as you're saying, if you're not, you know, yes. in the calendar or really aggressively, not aggressively, but actively, you know, reminding people, then it can be mm-hmm. difficult. And so for you on the people in HR team, like how big is that department? And how do you think about kind of dividing and conquering in terms of like ownership of the wellness initiatives? Does that fall on you? Do you have a, others as well? Or how do you guys think about that? It falls directly on me as being because I handle benefits in the U.S. So I created a wellness committee because I can't do it all myself. I've got a lot of other tasks and duties and responsibilities and, you know, that kind of thing. So I put a call out on Slack. I also created a Slack wellness channel and invited a couple of people that I knew would be interested. Um, Also, it, it told them to invite some other people as well. And then I put a call out saying, hey, would anybody be interested and joining me to uh, create wellness events and got a handful of people, three, four, I think. And we started just building out our calendar for the year, calendar of events that we're both doing virtually in-house. However, you know, some of the events are just kind of like activities that we can send people to do in their free time. 
and others are like charity events. So I can't do it all myself. I enlisted some help. I built that wellness committee. I've done this at several other uh, companies as well, some of my former employers, but that's what I've done. And it's been very successful for me because again, it's, you need a village to be able to get others' opinions and suggestions and new ideas and keep it fresh. I don't have all the answers. You know, I I can come up with some things, but, you know, after a while, it's like, what else do we do? And so I lean on those people to to get more ideas. The wellness committee is something that we've heard a lot of companies that have success with kind of implementing a culture of wellness do. So is there any like tactics or advice you could give on how somebody might go about creating a wellness committee at their org? Because I guess how many folks are on your committee? How does the interaction look? You know, what's the selling point to get people to take part in it? Yes. Um, like I said, I, I uh, created my own Slack wellness channel. I also have an intranet page. So I put together a huge intranet page with all of the calendar of events. So that created some excitement because people started seeing that we were doing events. And so um, that was enough to garner some excitement around that. And then I was like, okay, so you can see what we're doing. And this is something that maybe other people might be interested in. So put out that kind of call out in the Slack channel I emailed the whole U.S. population because why not, you know, why why not get some other insight? And I said, hey, if you're interested, we could use some hands. And I got, I think, four people are on one just dropped. So, yeah, yeah, I've got four people now. And we meet once a month to talk about what went well during that last event, what we could do better, what our participation was like what we think that maybe could enhance participation. Maybe we could hold it at a different time or on a different day, mm-hmm. those types of things. And yeah. we just take things from there that way yeah. we can enhance and, and do things better for the next time. And this isn't just folks on the HR team. This is across the company, right? Yes. We definitely don't just want HR people. We want you know all types of voices. You know, I've got an engineer on my team. I have a finance person on my team. I also have a marketing person. So it's just kind of nice to have voices from different areas of the company to be able to, you know, pitch in and say, hey, I've got an idea. We did this at my last company. Can we do it here? Mm -hmm. Um, Our budgets are very small, so we're not able to do the big, big things, but it's just kind of nice to be able to hear from other people. Yeah, I think that is important. And I do like that you have some structure to it where there's a monthly meeting kind of reviewing what happened. I think that is important. You've touched a little bit on some of the initiatives that you've run. Like, what have you done that's been successful? And how do you think about, you know, measuring the effectiveness of something? So that obviously can be tricky because it's not always necessarily so data driven. But how do you think about deciding if something worked or not, basically? Yes, um, deciding if something worked or not. (laughs) That's pretty easy. But um, some of the things that we've done that have worked really well, uh, we had a terrarium building class. That was one of the mindfulness ones. We just did that in April. And so we had this company that I've partnered with before at other companies, and they sent out terrarium kits. And it was not only just building the terrarium, but the hostess of this event. She talked about the different substrates and where they were um, sourced from. And also the different succulents, because everybody got different succulents. 
and where they were found and what types of um, plants they were and if they were safe for animals or children, of course, they were all safe, but how to grow them, what types of light to put them in, you know, all those different types of things. It was a very educational experience. Lots of people asked questions while they were building these things. And then she even included little pandas that we could put Uh in the terrariums. So it was kind of personalized to um, not just PandaDoc, but our employees really, really enjoyed that. And it was very relaxing. And it was a way to take some time out in the day and just build something that you could have on your desk or on a shelf nearby, look at it and go, okay, I took some time out of my work day. I put this together. It was relaxing. It was fun. I had a good time. People shared pictures on our Slack channel. People talked about it for weeks. I'm still hearing about it actually. And it was just a really good experience. Not one person didn't show. So we had full participation. There was 30 people that enrolled, 30 people showed, 30 people talked about it. So that was one of those like, we had a great time and it was definitely something that um, was a hit. That was an easy way to determine, you know, what worked. Now, some things that don't work is when you get RSVPs of 30, 40 people and five people show up and then you get the, you know, I really didn't care for that or that wasn't really as fun as I thought it would be or, you know, something to that effect. Thankfully, um, I've only had that happen one time and that was years ago. So learn my lesson didn't have that type of event again. (laughs) So that was easy enough. But another one quick blurb of what we had before that was really successful was a game show. Mm. Same company that I hosted with the terrarium, but great host. It was like a whole game show that was very personalized. He was very, very interactive with all of our pandas that only 10 of them showed. But they had a freaking blast. I mean, they were just talking. They had so much fun. They invited their families. They got everybody involved. It was popcorn. It was just so much fun. And you just couldn't believe how much fun these people had. So I considered that a win. We had 25, I think, people RSVP. Only 10 people showed. Normally, you would be like, you know, wow, only 10 people showed. But they had so much fun that they talked about it for days. Yeah. And, days. and they were telling people, I'm sorry, you missed it. <laughs> we had a great time. We yeah. need to do that again. That's where yeah. you can measure success, even though not everybody showed. Yeah. So kind of just hearing a little bit of buzz being built, people are talking about it, people are engaging, obviously, um, and clearly aligns with your values. You're trying to have fun. People are reporting back that they actually had fun, you know, re- yes. reinforces the values. Do you want to share the company name of that, that company just for those that might be listening? Yes, it's Fit Pros. They are amazing. They do um, fitness. They do nutrition talks. They have like physicians that you can have physician talks with. They do social events. That's what we really, really engage with them, social events, um, because we have wellness events and and fitness events with other companies. But with FitPros, we take advantage of their social events. And oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, do they have some fun ones. Again, doing the paint and sip one in October, and we're doing a sushi rolling event in December. So I'm excited about that one. Awesome. Yeah. And so it sounds like, I mean, part of having fun is obviously connecting with teammates. So it sounds like you're weaving a lot of connection-based activities in there. How important is that for, especially the remote team, to have folks connect and kind of talk and chat and just engage and have fun? That's why I'm doing the social events is because we have that 
that need and that desire. So many people say, I wish we could get together more often. And unfortunately with, you know, some budget cuts and, you know, the, how the economy is right now, and yeah. we can't afford to fly people all in to meet in one area and spend time together and do events together. So that's one of the reasons why I've chosen social events this year to really kind of focus on is because people are saying, we really want to spend time together. We really want to do things together. And so this is a way that I can get them together on a social kind of event and say, okay, here's your opportunity to spend some time together and do something fun with your coworkers. And even if it is at three o'clock in the afternoon and you've got, you know, work piling up, just take some time, take an hour and just relax and have a good time, relax and, and do something that you normally would not do, like build a terrarium or engage in a game show with your coworkers and your family and just have fun, yeah. you know? So that's what I'm focused on this year. It's, it's sure. all about the year of fun. This yes. Year. That's, okay. that's the value yeah. that we're focusing on this year is the fun value. Yeah. I'm a big fan of theming things for a period of time. Yes. So I like that. Okay, cool. This is this has been been great. Um, we did talk a little bit about the tools, some of the tools that you use. You know, if there's anything else to share there, but also, you know, curious on, you know, what recommendations might you have for, you know, HR folks or benefits folks that are kind of thinking about getting started and how they might start to implement, you know, more of a, a deeper culture of wellness at their at their company, specifically if their company is remote first, like like PandaDoc. Yes, my advice would be don't go it alone. Definitely enlist the help of your coworkers, even if it is just HR people that, you know, you work with very closely or put a call out, you know, to other people, start a wellness committee. It only has to be a couple people. You need a hive mind. You need those other people to bounce ideas off of, to give suggestions, to input their um, ideas and get their experience from other companies and from other places they've been. And don't take anything personally. If something doesn't work, like it bombs completely, it's not your fault. You know, honestly, you can't take anything personally. You, you really can't feel like a failure if something doesn't work right. You've done your best. You've put all your effort and time into creating something that you feel would be the best thing at that time. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You just have to brush off, get up, try something new and go back at it. So yeah, that's my advice. I mean, try to make the best of whatever money you have, whatever funds, whatever resources you have. There's tons of free resources out there. I just get on Google and I yeah. look up employee wellness and there's a ton of resources out there. So I'm from also a nonprofit background too. So where we had to just kind of, I gotta be scrappy. That's one yeah. of the things that when you're in a startup, you have to be scrappy. Yeah. So you look for those free resources and those low cost kind of things. So um, just look for those resources, lean on people and don't go it alone. Awesome. Yeah. Very tactical, which I hope the listeners appreciate. And I saw the kitty jump in there. So finally the appearance, uh, <laughs> quite the cat tree. I love, I love the big cat trees and so do cats. So um, yes, I have yeah. like six of those in my house um, nice. because I have six cats and they mm. all fight over top spots. So <laughs> I yeah. have, to have a lot of them. Love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Mel. This has been awesome. Really appreciate you joining today. And thank you everyone for listening in on the Virtual Vibe podcast and uh, look forward to seeing you all again. So thanks, Mel. Thank you. Thank you.